0: No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS,
1: your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing a real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan Butte. For insights into starting, growing, and optimizing your real estate team, we're talking with Emily Smith. A few fun facts before we get going. She serves as Chief Operating Officer at Weemert Group Realty in Central Florida, a team she's helped build over the past eight plus years. She, like me, and Team Leader Jenny Weemert, who is our guest on Episode 4, is a native Michigander. And Emily, like me, has a degree from the University of Michigan. Thanks so much for talking Team OS today, Emily.
0: Oh, go blue, Ethan. It's exciting to be here. Um, I'm honored you've had so many fantastic guests over the last several episodes. I always feel like I need a pen when I sit down to listen uh, because of the wisdom that you're able to pull from your guests. So I appreciate that.
1: Awesome. I appreciate the positive feedback. I'm super glad to hear that it's so useful uh, with regard to your time and energy and attention. There are a lot of demands on those things for you personally, as there are on most folks as accomplished as you. Uh, and so it's just a privilege to uh, be of service to you in that way. Appreciate that. Oh, so I, I guess I probably don't need to ask the opening question because I think, you know, it's coming, but I will anyway, Emily, what's a must have characteristic of a high performing team?
0: So I spent some time thinking about this, knowing it was coming. Um, and so many of your previous guests have listed uh, some amazing qualities. Jenny Weimer, I'm I'm a little biased because I work with her and I do believe she's the best in our industry saying servant heartedness. I'd agree with that. I also really loved Howard Tagger um, talking about having a diverse community around you to really help you think. I loved Lauren Bowen talking about consistency. And I think all of those things are so important. But what I'd like to add to the conversation is that I really believe you need to be solution-based. And so for me, no matter what seat you're sitting in, Being solution-based means um, you are working in collaboration to fix the things in front of you that need to be fixed, to get deals to the closing table, to look, that can be systems, that can be people, that can be any, anything. If you are a solution-based person, then you are seeking outcomes that are going to build that collaborative environment around you and are ultimately going to get things done. And so, so I'd like to add solution-based to the already amazing list that's been growing from these sessions.
1: Really good ad, and I feel like a lot of my favorite answers to that question. Not that I don't love them all; (laughs) those episodes are like children. You love them all, right? Uh, Right. But but something that uh, that, yeah, something that I really appreciate about um, about that response is that it applies, like so many other good ones, is that it applies to our uh, whole lives. Um, Mm -hmm. It applies not just to our role as leaders and coaches uh, and managers, but also as parents and leaders of ourselves and all these other things. That solution orientation honestly uh, came late to me. Um, You know, I was that person that was like, this is problematic. This is unfair. You know, these kinds of things like deeper into my life that I would like to confess. Uh, When did this occur to you? And um, and what was that process? Was it a self-discovered thing or was it an observation of others' behavior? Like, when did this come onto your radar as uh, so fundamentally helpful?
0: I was raised in a household where we were sort of asked to be solution-based, not using those words. So if something was going wrong, or if something wasn't maybe going the way that you were wanting it to, my parents were good at asking questions about, you know, what is your part here? Or what could you do to contribute to the solution? And so I think a lot of that was being in fed into my life early on. Um, and over time, I've developed language around it. And so within the business, observing and realizing that there are people that have this gift, and there are people growing into this gift. And there are people that don't have it at all. It's been interesting just to observe. And so I watch for it now, especially in maybe the hiring process, or as we're discussing with agents, a new partnership or bringing someone into the brokerage. And we'll ask some questions about, you know, tie, You know, we, we like to do this in interview processes anyway to figure out who's across from us, but asking them about things that are broken and how did you handle that or times that have been, you know, tough, how did you handle that tells you a lot about their mindset. Are they blaming other people? Are they talking about collaboration? Are they using, using language that shows that they're willing to accept their part of the responsibility for maybe what went wrong in that? Um, and I think that shows you a lot about who someone is and how they're going to be if it's in an agency in a transaction dealing with another agent or dealing maybe with a client on your behalf uh, if it's a leadership seat. Are they going to be compassionate to people living in those agent seats who live in very different universes than maybe somebody that sits behind a computer all day? So depending on the spot that we're hiring for, asking those questions on purpose and looking to see, are the answers showing me that this person is, to go back to our word, solution-based or at least collaborative or at least willing to authentically own their part, shows us a lot about who they are and how they're going to show up in our universe.
1: Yeah, so much good stuff in there, and I have a feeling we're going to double back into this based on some areas I want to get into, Uh, but I want to walk in with you in particular, Uh, but I want to walk into it a little bit and start a little – start with – your own journey into real estate, like how and when did this start for you? Um, you're not a, a realtor by background, which some other COOs are. Um, just give us a little bit about your background and how you found your way into Weemer Group Realty, and then we'll get into how you got into the COO role. Sure.
0: Uh, I kind of fell into it, if I can be honest. Uh, I was I owned a wedding photography studio for a number of years, and I flew around the country almost every weekend. I was getting on and off planes at the time. Um, I had two young children, and I was getting tired of leaving them every weekend, and I was feeling that little pull of uh, what's next in my universe. And so I was realizing I was coming to the end of my passion for that. I couldn't just to be blunt, like staring at people during their first dance. So I was like, I don't know if I can smile anymore at these people while they're having their first dance. And at that point, you know, the passion has sort of left you and you're in the wrong seat for your career. It's time to do something else when you, when you don't want to be doing what you're doing. And so um I was lucky at the time to be able to take some time and really think about what could be next. What are my gift sets? What could I bring to the universe? And while I was kind of in this reflective space, a friend said to me, Hey, there is a realtor that I happen to know in our community that's hiring, and she needs a photographer. And uh, I happened to see her list on Facebook, and she had sort of thrown spaghetti at a wall of like all these random things. It's kind of like we do when we're trying to hire a, a, you know, a, a position. We're like, oh, what else could they do? They could do photography. They could do staging. They could do graphic design. They could do website work. And she's like, I just felt like your face kept coming to mind. I felt like maybe this would be a good transition step for you in the universe while you're trying to figure out what you want to do next. And so I responded to the ad um, and the ad said she was looking for a unicorn. And so I responded and said, I think I might be your unicorn. And I've got most of those skills in my back pocket. Owning a business like a photography business, you have to become skilled at a lot of things like doing your own marketing, creating a website. I just I'm a jack of all trades, master of absolutely none. uh, And I enjoy that. That's fun for me. And it keeps things interesting. So weirdly enough, everything she had put on her list was something that matched. Uh, When I met Jenny Wiemert, I I really connected with her vision for the team and what she was trying to build. You could hear her heart when she talks. She was a teacher before she was a realtor. And she talks. It's just very natural for her to speak authentically about caring for people and wanting to do the right thing by people. And so I attached to the vision and said, okay, great. I'll come in as photographer. They were, they were kind enough to hire me as that, but very quickly it became this collaborative journey of, I have more skills than that. So what else can I bring to the table? Where are the holes in this organization and in this place that you're trying to grow? And so it, it was a, I would say a two and a half year journey of, photographer for we joke it's like two weeks it was a little longer than that but it was photographer to marketer where then I was then helping like find the photographer and I was doing more of the marketing and asking questions like well why does your website look terrible can we fix that or um, for example the agents uh, would have these meetings where they would talk about their listings every week and they would talk about what they were doing to market those listings so I would sit in on those meetings and I would try to learn as much as I could by fire hose and then I would try to go create something to be able to prove to our sellers that we were doing something to market their listings. And it was, again, this two and a half year process of real estate by fire hose for me, uh, because the team was already very successful before I stepped into being a part of the team. In my mind, they were very successful. They were just about to break 100 million a year in sales, which was a very big deal about eight and a half years ago for them. Um, And so just a side note to that, even today when people start with us, one of the first things that we do on their day one is talk about how they're entering in the middle of this already great story. But there there is still room in our story for them to find success here and for them to be a part of helping us c- continue to create something great. So I'm always grateful that Jen opened the door for me to come in as a very niche specific part of the organization. And then as they realized I had gifts that I could contribute, they allowed me to keep plugging holes and find those spots and create those things to move the business forward. Um, We went on a little bit of a fast forward journey, I think around two and a half years in because it was at that point that we stepped away from at the time we were with Keller Williams to become our own independent brokerage. And uh, it was really by fire hose at that point. Uh, I had a pretty good handle on our processes and our, our like listing marketing and all of those pieces. But we had to get really good at building out the who are we, what is our mission statement? What's our vision statement? Uh, what Who are we going to be beyond what the brokerage we were always with had told us we were going to be? And we had to build out processes for ourselves at that point to do transaction management the way we would want to do it, not the way, again, that the brokerage kind of dictated that we would need to do it. And so it was at that point that I always say we sort of fast forwarded, uh, A, my own education in real estate, because just by fire hose, again, we had to. But B, I think that was the time that we um, had to make decisions. And I got to flex my gifts a little bit in that season to show that I could help collaborate with them on vision and move the vision forward and sell the vision forward to the team with them next to them as a leader but also that I could continue to take bigger pieces than what I was handed at the beginning. And so that first two and a half years, it really was photography into marketing, into understanding real estate as a whole, being able to speak as well as an agent that's in the field that was always really important to me. And then slowly over time, continuing to just collaborate with the leadership to be able to share vision together, to move those pieces forward on behalf of the team.
1: Really, really good, and you closed a lot of gaps in my own mind. Of course, I uh, had the privilege of, you know, researching your story, talking with you uh, in advance, uh, doing that episode with Jenny, and all the work that goes into that as well. And um, you just closed a number of of interesting gaps for me. But I want to close them a little bit for the listener as well, or the viewer. Um, I really appreciate this. Uh, first of all, your summary at the end that was fantastic. You're just a great communicator, and that's where I'm going right now. Is um, it makes sense for me why, uh, from a marketing seat, in this transition into an independent brokerage or a team ridge, um, that you needed to establish for yourselves, who are we? What are we about? Why are we here? Uh, which is something that you uh, were wonderfully prepared to do um especially as an expert communicator in addition though this layer of we need to design some processes to fulfill These promises that we're making to ourselves and to the people around us, whether it's an agent we're recruiting, whether it's an agent on the other side of the deal, whether it's a client, whether it's a community member who never does business with us, but we're still in service of them in some way, just based on how you all uh, live and work in your communities. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, your own background relative to that transition to the operations side of it, designing some systems and some processes, probably even a tech stack to support and fulfill some of this language that initially brought you in this direction. Um, So that's, that's kind of one part of it. And then the other part is kind of define and scope a little bit. What does the role look like today now, several years after that transition?
0: I think in the beginning, it really was just about plugging holes. So it was see a need. Am I the best person to fill it? Is somebody else the best? Do we need to collaborate on this with someone else? And I want to be clear that everything was done in collaboration with Mike and Jenny Weimer as the leaders of the organization. Um, In the world of when we talk about like COOs, or we talk about people that are helping run our teams in these second seats, I think there's a myriad of kind of titles that people either have along the way or they don't, but they kind of You're kind of inheriting the pieces. I went straight from marketing director to COO of the organization. But in that time period, I was wearing any hat I needed. I I was making calls as the marketing director and and having those conversations. As I was pulling in every other hat I needed to have, eventually, I took the title of COO because it made more sense for the organization because I was spanning something broader than just marketing. And the team needed that. And frankly, sometimes you just need a title to be able to make a phone call or to talk to an organization outside of your organization so that they'll take the call. And so the title came because I had taken enough hats along the way and plugged enough holes that the title came with it. But in the world that we live in, in real estate, I see administrative assistant, I see executive assistant, I see director of operations, I see you know COO, there's all kinds of titles. And I separate those things a little bit as like executive assistant, administrative assistant are task-oriented positions. And those could be um, even TCs sometimes, depending on how they're structured. They're not in our world. In our world, we can't live without them. Like they are some of the highest regarded positions on our team. Uh, but I think that more task-oriented position versus director of ops or COO, where, again, you're starting to collaborate on the vision or you're starting to help even be the one that's casting vision to the team alongside of your leadership. I think in that gap, I was taking those titles without taking those titles. So I was first doing the tasks as marketer or grabbing the extra hat and doing the task or saying, who else should be doing the task? Do we need to hire this out? Or do I need to bring somebody in on the team to help with this? And again, all with Jenny Weimert or Mike Weimert. And then eventually it became a lot more of like the three of us in sharing the vision, crafting the vision, creating the vision. And now we're trying to bring other people up into those roles with us to... Um, be able to share that not just across the team, but like you said, kind of the, the spillage or the overage out into your community or out into the people that you're serving. Uh, so over time, I think you start as a hole plugger or a person who carries duct tape around with you and tries to figure out what systems need the help. And, and over time, you find that the holes are filled more and more and it becomes more about, well, where are we going and how can we get there instead of just plugging the holes as you go. Those early days, there was a lot of hole plugging. It was, shoot, we don't have a process for that. And we just ran into that hole. So we should probably go build that this afternoon because we need it today or um An example was we ran for a long time without a new construction TC checklist. It was like, it's not the same. The process isn't the same for them, but they could hobble it along with what they were doing for, you know, like a normal buyer. But it was like somebody had to stop and slow down and build that process. And it was just involving enough TCs to say, well, you guys are the one holding this and asking the agents, okay, what do you need on this side and collaborating together to create a process that was going to work. But somebody has got to slow down and, and know you have a hole, number one, and then work in collaboration to fill it.
1: Okay. So much good stuff there. This is actually a very specific follow-up question. Uh, and I'm asking on behalf of uh, a team leader Uh, or perhaps even a solo agent who obviously doesn't have an operations person or any of the other titles that you listed out. Um, I feel like the titles that you listed, you know, the title is going to depend on the stage of development of the team at some level. Um, My my imagination is that a lot of people, when it comes to documenting things or developing a new process or creating that, in the example of of a new construction situation, it, it shares some kinship with what we're doing. We can get away with, I think you might have even said hobble along, you know, yeah. we can get away with the system or the process that we have now, but we do actually at some point need to truly adapt it to that situation. And my imagination is that that, that growing list of things we can or should do from an operational perspective in order to, to create and deliver better experiences for every stakeholder in a process, um, probably paralyzes some folks like, where are you or where is Weemert group overall with like, how many of those things do you have on your list of things to do? Um, And, or what advice do you have for the person I just described who may be a little bit frozen on like, oh, I need to do all these things, but there's the tyranny of the urgent and there's a lot of stuff in front of me right now.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely a multifaceted question because it's going to depend on where you are in the universe, like you said, what's coming at you right now that needs to be fixed and what kind of help you have next to you in order to solve those problems. Um, in our world, things are not falling apart. Things are not breaking because it, And it's taken us, I've been with Jenny eight and a half, almost nine years. It'll be nine years in May. And it has taken us that long to to build it to where I feel like I can sleep and not worry that things are falling apart. And it's just because we've taken small actionable bites of, of our processes and our systems. And we do sit down and say, what do we need to fix? What do we need to look at? And we also ask when, when is a suit a super important piece of the puzzle in our world. Um, we're a brokerage of just a little right now, over 80 people. And we always say it's like turning a cruise ship. I, I can't launch a brand new system or a whole new process for these guys when they're in the middle of busy season and They're not able to pay attention because they are dealing with daily fires like you were mentioning. Um, It's not fair to them. It's frustrating to them. It's our job as a brokerage, I believe. Uh, We run as a team. It's probably important to say that. So as a team in a brokerage, we are trying to make things easy for our agents and we want them to feel like it's, I think frictionless is like the big hot button word these days, but we want them to feel like it's easy that they can interact with our systems and not feel frustration over them. So if I try to, design something and build something and launch it in the middle of April, there's going to be an uprising because they're solving day-to-day fires with their people. So when you build and when you decide to launch the changes you're trying to make really matters uh, for your team, if something is broken, that's different. So if we're talking band-aiding or correcting or or changing a system just because you want to or you think you can make it more efficient, that's more what I'm talking about. If something is absolutely broken and you need it to like function, fix it and, and launch it. That's okay. Um, but asking and putting yourself in the seats of your agents or pulling in a couple of, of your users that give great feedback. Um, I have a couple of agents I always go to when we launch something new that we say, can you look at this? Can you offer me feedback on this? Can you, are we missing anything from an agent's perspective or from a TC's perspective or from a listing, you know, team's perspective, what are we missing here before you launch something from a, a limited set of knowledge or from that knowledge bank that maybe you think you know. On the other side of this equation, if you are a single agent or running a very small team and you're just trying to figure out how to get your ducks in a row, I would sit down and and fix one thing at a time. Identify what it is that's going to move the needle for you and fix it. So if you are Just as an example, if you are running listing heavy or if you are focusing on listings right now, look at your listing process first and and start at pre-list and work in one section at a time and say, okay, from the start of pre-list, do I have everything that I need from an agent's perspective to you know prepare for that appointment or be ready to attend that appointment and looks like look like the expert that I am does my admin team if you do have anyone next to you do they have what they need or how could they be prepping me for those appointments and then take the next step okay i've gone to the appointment what am i taking to the appointment uh, what do I need to be prepared to talk about at the equipment or, or equipment appointment uh and do i need do I need to understand how we're marketing this property better? Do I need to practice speaking about that better? Do I need to build a system around that but taking things as small actionable bits in each part of your process will make that way less scary and if you have an assistant and it is someone who um you feel could travel this journey with you and help you build, but they aren't there yet, I would highly encourage you to invest time in that relationship early. Jenny Wiemert and I, for the first two and a half years, um, sat next to each other. And my job really had nothing. I mean, I was running marketing for her team, but... I was listening to every phone call she was making. I was hearing her problem solve with every agent that called in with a question and my vocabulary and my understanding of real estate and how it all connected uh, moved so much faster because of her willingness to just let me sit near her in the office and hear her. So if you are someone with an executive assistant or an administrative assistant, you're like, oh no, they just check my email or, oh no, they just, you know, manage our office calendar I, I would challenge you to, to ask yourself: Is this more? This is there more? This person could do if I were willing to invest the time in just sitting next to them and help build their knowledge bank or help grow them into that next level of person that I'm going to need. Um, if you want someone to think like you, speak like you, that is the fastest way that you can get someone to share a vision with you is for them just to be able to observe and be a part of learning your language.
1: Okay. That is why we have back buttons on our podcast apps, uh, and in the YouTube app, if you're watching on mobile, uh, so much good advice in there. Super practical. And I love where that last piece went. You know, if you have an assistant alongside you, I was like, that's a future COO. And then it turns out that that's the story you were telling. Absolutely. So good. Um, okay. Lots of directions I could go here, but you've mentioned twice something that I, I really want to hear you out on. Um, I I'm paraphrasing now, but I think it could be a direct quote, um, from you in this conversation already, which is, um, it's important to point out that we're a team and I know, I think I know what that means, but I want to separate like team as a concept and as a business model, um, versus uh team as, you know, a, a general principle, um, versus what I think you all are doing, which is it's cultural, it's embedded. It is both of those other things, but it's also more when you use the word team or even teamerage, um talk about it from like a super basic perspective, like a business model perspective, and then talk about kind of what it means to you all um, and and how that affects the day-to-day experience of everyone involved in your business. Hey, we'll get right back to this conversation in a matter of seconds, but I've got two quick things for you. First, thank you so much for listening to Real Estate Team OS. Our goal is to bring you a variety of stories, ideas, strategies, and hard-learned lessons to help you grow your business profitably. Second, if you've not yet signed up for weekly emails, you should do that. Just go to realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email-exclusive insights and guest previews every week, subscriber-only episodes as they release, and instant access to two subscriber-only episodes immediately. Again, it's all at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. Now, back to the episode.
0: Sure. So um, in real estate as a whole, we see teams in... Um, maybe larger real estate offices, that they are a group of folks that have agreed to kind of run under the same brand, run under the same reputation. They're building towards something together. And really at WeMark Group Realty, it's the same, same concept. We just happen to be a brokerage that completely functions as a team. So rather than an office that might have several teams or several, you know, single agents that also work out of their structure in our office, if you join the brokerage, you are agreeing to join the team and abide by what I would say is a shared set of kind of cultural. Ways in which we approach the business, and so for us, we call each other we mates instead of teammates. We don't have a shared mission statement, vision statement. There's none of that. Just we mates, and we mates is a concept for us. Um, the quick version is always we, never I. So as a team, it's right there off the beginning of our structure. We learn to speak in we language. We care for each other. We talk about our clients as a we effort. So the transaction manager, the the agent working with them, the listing director, we are all working in collaboration to help that particular client. We are also working in collaboration with the co-op agent on the other side of every deal. So, we are on their side. We are there to help educate, grow, move forward, problem solve with, et cetera. And that's the first concept of what it means to be a We Mate. Uh, and then, m- mates as masters of our craft, accountable for our actions, teachable. We're going to elevate others. And then, my keyword here is solution based. So, it comes all back for full circle today in this interview. But so, when I call someone a We Mate, it's calling them to our standard of how they're going to show up in the business. Um, For us, that also means that they don't have individual branding. And so they all fly under Weimert Group Realty flag, meaning their signs in front of their listings. Um, Even though it does have the agent's name and phone number, it's still going to say Weimert Group Realty. Or um, online, when a consumer is researching, they are only going to see that agent attached to Weimert Group Realty branding because we believe our reputation um, rises and falls together. We're working towards something together. And we believe that online presence um, is stronger together than apart. And so if you are a newer agent to the business and you're, you're joining us, you are benefiting from years of work of other agents serving their clients at a high level, using their expertise, using their professionalism and their knowledge on your behalf to build that online reputation so that you out of the gate look more reputable. And then we're asking you to do the same for those agents that come behind you in the next few years as well. But we are in collaboration, working towards the same goal, all under the same flag. And so that's what I mean when I say we're we're a team rich. Um, in our world, too, that means you agree to use our tech. So it means you're agreeing to use the systems we've put in place. You're agreeing to use the technology we have decided is the most uh, effective for this season and that you're willing to make changes when we decide that the team as a whole needs to pivot and and change how you're turning something in. Or if we were to decide to use a different signing platform or a different way to do something, then you are agreeing as a part of the team to trust that that is in your best interest and spend the time to figure out how to implement that into your own business world. Because agents really are independent contractors. And so they don't have to do anything. Um, but in our world, being a part of the team rich means you are building towards something bigger with us and agreeing to do that uh, both by brand and by tech.
1: Awesome. I have a feeling that in the markets that you serve, your reputation precedes you. Where I'm going here is kind of like into a recruiting and interviewing conversation. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of this is probably known or felt. Uh, And so I feel like my, my assumption is that a lot of the people you're in conversation with are approximately the right people um, because this isn't for everyone. Um, Talk a little bit about uh, A, is recruiting your responsibility or kind of where does that fall in the organization, like recruiting, interviewing, onboarding. Speak to that process a little bit relative to um, your vision of a team and communicating that and getting some agreement in advance on it and maybe even who it's for and who it isn't for, um, you know what what type of person? Because I, I have a feeling it has nothing to do with the agent's level of experience. I have a feeling that there are circumstances or personalities or styles that this is just a fantastic fit for. So I know there's a lot packed in there, but uh, take it however you wish.
0: I'll do my best to answer all of that. So first and foremost, uh, we are super lucky that we don't have to do a lot of recruiting. Uh, we have a bench built already sort of in the background of agents that over time we've been in conversations with or maybe have been on the other side of a deal or we've met at networking events that see what we're doing, understand what we're trying to build and already kind of want to be a part of it. Um one of the things that we have said is that as a team Ridge, we are, we are not for everyone. And I think that is a really important thing to note. I think a lot of teams and brokerages try to be all things to all people and it's not, it's not possible. Um, you want to find like-minded people that want to run in the same direction as you are so that you're not pulling each other out of your lane. That's really important. Um, and so for us, We know that we don't hire often on purpose. Number one, we have to do right by the people that are at the brokerage already. And so we are in um, communication with the people in our brokerage about their goals, not our goals for them, but their real true goals for their own families, for their lives. And um, we just came out of an, an end of year set of weeks where we met with every agent on the team and had those conversations about how would you like to build? How do you see this structured? Because I believe that brings trust that we are going to do our part and they need to also do their part it's a partnership um, but that brings trust when we're bringing in the next teammate that they feel like we have them in mind we're not we're not bringing them in and planning to like not give them enough or not help them enough or not it's it's a different mindset already from the jump But we are also training them to be on the lookout for like-minded individuals who would thrive in our environment and that are people on, you know, that they're working with in in the real estate universe that they would love to have be a part of the team. That's typically how we find our next WeMates is they come from teammate recommendations more often than not, or they come from a TC or a transaction manager in our world that says, I really loved working with this agent on the other side, of the deal. I really feel like they embody those qualities that we talked about earlier in this interview of what it means to be a mate. So we're very lucky that we don't have to do a lot of recruiting, um, partially because we're protective of that bench and protective of who comes in, because it's important to us to feed the families that have entrusted us with their businesses first. Um, we have also had to make some decisions about who we want to be in the real estate universe. We are, we serve a very large market in central Florida. Um, uh, last year we served 114 zip codes. So there's, there's a lot of real estate to go get here. Still, there's a lot of big teams down here. There's a lot of choice, but there's also still um, a lot of consumers to serve. And so we believe there's enough to go around for everyone. And we had to make choices about, do we want to be the brokerage that just hires agent bodies just to have a lot of people to be able to say we've done a lot of transactions? Or do we want to stay smaller? And do we want to be on purpose about helping the people here reach their goals and just be highly profitable and feel like we also have great lives on top of doing real estate? And I'm going to be honest, um, I don't think we have figured that out until now. I I think we have been in a weird battle for the last, I would say, four to five years of trying to figure out which of those directions do we want to go, which of those directions is going to lead us down the right path. And I feel like all of a sudden it's been very clear that our path for now is to be a team, to run as a team, to take care of our people at a high level and continue to kind of stay in our lane and help people have really great lives and do something that they're passionate about. So we're looking for people like like that, that want to also live in that same mindset.
1: All right. I really overjoyed for you all that you came to that self awareness, self understanding. I feel like even a decision. Uh, around that i imagine that that's a tension that most people watching or listening to whether they're at three people or 30 people or 300 people or well, i guess 300 maybe the horse is out of the barn on that but like um you know our wrestle with the same thing uh and i think uh broader culture uh favors just from a like where we devote our attention in the stories that we tell is really um, in the opposite direction of what you all have decided, but I think you said a key word in there, uh, which is profitability it 's something that Jenny and I talked about a bit on episode four and um, i mean that 's the that 's the ultimate I also want to plus up just for everyone watching and listening and just to to validate how important I think what you said is and how much I respect the way that you 're running your business around this is. Before we think about new, more, new, more, we need to make sure that we're honoring the people who have already committed uh, to who we are and what we're about and have helped us build this business. Uh, For over 270 episodes, I hosted a show called The Customer Experience Podcast. And uh, not that the agent is the customer exactly, but you know, a constant, constant theme and a constant challenge for businesses of all kinds is this pursuit of essentially new revenue, new customers, new logos, you know, new top of funnel versus honoring the customers who've been with you once, whether you're a recurring revenue subscription model and they just renew their subscriptions, or whether it's really about generating more and bigger purchases in the future. That is so overlooked by most businesses. We just have this kind of natural bias and tendency toward new, bigger, more at the top of the relationship. And I, and I really think, uh, and I know you and I are aligned on this too, is like when you take care of first things, uh, the revenue takes care of itself. And I think taking care of your current agents and taking care of your current clients, uh, is the process by which we take care of the business as opposed to designing things. Uh, really, really explicitly that are like, we need to take care of the business. We need to take care of the business. We need to take, like, you take care of the people who've already made some level of commitment to you and things are going to work out pretty well. Uh, anything you want to respond or react to there?
0: Oh, 100%. I, I, Jenny always says, take care of the person in front of you and the rest of it follows. Like the money, the success, the whatever you're looking for out of this will follow if you just take care of the person in front of you. I do think it's our job as leadership to... Uh, help the people in the organization feel safe and secure, that they have put their trust in, uh, in the right place, that is going to continue to listen to them, hear them, build with them, grow with them, and allow them to also be humans who have seasons where they need to come in and out a little bit. Part of the intentionalness of sitting down with people is saying, what is going on in your world that we may not be you know aware of if i don't bump into you all the time in the office or and they don't have any obligation to share with us but but just to say how can we support or help you grow this year it, it tends to be more about life, not just about business when you're building the kind of team that we're building. And again, that is not for every agent. Some agents are like, uh, I just want to run a, a solid business and go do my thing. And I don't want you to I don't need like somebody doing that or holding my hand or or doing the thing. So um, for me, it's knowing who you are is super important. And knowing why our, our real estate universe is filled with shiny objects, shiny things, people trying to chase, you know, being famous or being on stage or having opportunity. Like there's a lot out there to distract uh, an agent or a team leader from the business of running a successful business and being profitable to go back to that. Like um, you have to stop and ask. I actually coach to this a little bit with our agents in the office. Sometimes I'll stop someone and say, what do you need out of this? Like, what are you looking to get out of this? And that for some people is money. Like, is that a number? Is that a, what does my family budget look like? So is that a want versus a need? Like I, I, I need this much, but I, I would really love to get to this goal number. And then we can know now the honest answer and we can help them chase the gap, if you will. Um, or what do you need out of this? Sometimes agents do say, I need the recognition. And in a team model, sometimes that gets squashed, uh, depending on how you're structured. We don't talk a lot about awards or how people are doing individually because a lot of people that love team models that squashes their their drive sometimes. So it's it's a balance. But listening to your people and really asking, are you chasing a dollar? Are you chasing recognition? Are you chasing some award? I'm not aware you're chasing like a maybe like a 35 under 35 local young professional award. I met with somebody for these end of year meetings that said to me, I really want to be 35 under 35. I had no idea that was important to them. And we've been talking about her goals for a while, right? And so that's on me that I didn't ask the question in the right way to get her to share that with us. But now that I know I I can come behind her, we can put some support around her in order to help her get to those goals. We also had to have an honest conversation about what it takes to get to that goal. And she's pretty, she's short right now, there's a gap. So it's what does she need to do on her side to fill the gap? And what can we do to help also fill that gap for her to get her to where she needs to be? But as a brokerage or as a team or as a one, as a single agent, if you do not know what you need out of this business, the business will drive you, you will not know where you are headed and you will end up in this nowhere land of feeling unsuccessful and frustrated probably. And if you are leading people, you will feel frustrated at the people around you because you won't feel like you are getting to where you're trying to go together. And really, it's because they don't know where they're driving to either. So it's worth in the season right now in January, which is where we are now in the universe of stopping and, and asking, where are we going? Who, who are we? What do what are we working towards as a team? And if that's too much, if it's too much to think way out here, just think into next month. What do we need to have done? Where are we headed from now to next month? And take that like little baby actionable step to get you there. One of my very favorite pictures in the universe is a man on a ladder with these huge rungs. And then next to him is a man on a ladder with all these little baby rungs. And I think that is such a great picture of whether you're fixing a system, whether you're trying to define a vision, whether you're trying whatever it is you're trying to do, just take the next right little baby step at a time. And all of a sudden you will find yourself, you know, farther down that path or with better systems or with cleaner hiring processes, or maybe with more aligned people, because you kind of know where you're going and you're taking those little baby steps to get there along the way.
1: I would observe that, uh, years ago you could have said something like to yourself and to Jenny and Mike, uh, you could have said something like, um, Hey, you know, I'm the person who uh, does all this marketing work. Let's, let's go find someone to do this other stuff. So I'm going to not to be too cliche, but I want to give you back your own question. Um, which is. What is this about for you or what has this been about for you? You know, why are you in the role that you're in uh, when you could have just as easily said, you know, I'm a photographer, I'm a marketer, I'm a designer. Uh, whatever, you know, like, what is this about for you? What are you hoping to get out of it?
0: First and foremost, I'm a weird wiring. Um, I'm a creative, but I also really appreciate and love a good uh, system and seeing the whole picture kind of come together. So I I love being able to live in the details and build something and kind of be in the beginnings of putting together how do we get to that vision. But I also really love handing the vision over and letting other people accomplish the vision and getting to move on to building the next thing. And I have been wired like that since I was a kid. Um, I always joked that I have three sisters. And so growing up, I would build these elaborate kind of playscapes for them like Restaurants or like fashion shows. And I was really, really good at building like the whole setup. Like there were place cards and menus and like, you know, you name it. But when it came time to actually play, I was like, have fun. I don't want to do this. Like it's, I was done. I was ready to move on to the next project and build them the next thing. And I think I'm still wired to want to function that way. And so I found within Jenny, I found this really, um, in Mike, I found a unique ecosystem in where. We could build and then I could let go and pass off and let our team utilize the pieces. And then I could stand back and go, what else could we go chase? What else can we go build? Or what do we need to go back in and and tweak? Because one of my other gifts is I like to make things better. And so I love looking at what we're doing and going, okay, this is about a 9 out of 10. How do we get that to be a 10 out of 10? Or how do we make that work Better. i I chase that excellence factor. and um I get bored really easily is the truth, Ethan. but I don't think I've gotten bored in real estate in eight and a half years because every new market hands us a new job. We have to go back and and go back to work and and resituate and relearn our tools. and then, you know, we get to cast the vision for how to use those to the team. And so real estate has an energy about it. If you let it that will will carry you through the boredom if you're built like me. Um, But I have found just a unique niche in Jen and Mike that they have trusted me to collaborate with them on where our vision is going and allow me to share in casting that vision to the team along with getting to build the systems and then getting to hand those off to the people that are going to implement those. Um, And so I think of it as being kind of an entrepreneur in their business, like they're, they are the entrepreneurs, they really as the owners carry the risk. And what you'll find, I think a lot with COOs, if you really dig under the circuit surface, um, a lot of us are risk averse. And so I I will take certain risks, but I love getting to be an entrepreneur and build in someone else's business where they ultimately are carrying the risk, if you want to like, say it that way. Um, I think that there are a lot of us out there very capable. People who would come right next to you and want to live there for the long term and help you build and grow and move things forward, but are afraid of the risks involved in that. And that's where we go back to the earlier part of this discussion of watch for those administrative assistants or executive assistants with potential that are still growing into the seats that they could live into if you gave them more time or attention or helped them think like you. There are really, really great people out there who don't have big or gregarious personalities, but who are amazing at building from their seats behind a computer um, or that maybe are great at casting vision and can build, but they can't stay on a checklist long enough for it to work as an executive assistant. So it's asking where are the holes in your business and figuring out how to plug those based on your own personality as a leader. But it's giving those people enough of you and enough time with them next to you where they can begin to really speak like you catch your vision and share that. Um, and then Jenny and I talk about this in our office, but there's an ego piece involved for most leaders when they do find someone to sit next to them, that you're now sharing the credit with someone, so to speak. And so you're, there's a, there's almost like an ego situation on both sides. Like, Jenny and I, they call us Gemily. Sometimes it's a joke because we've sort of melded into a human. Um, it's kind of silly, but uh for us, it's it's now it's not just what Jenny's building, it's now what Emily's helping Jenny build. And as a leader, I can't imagine how that feels when this has been her thing for over 20 years. So it's you have to be willing as a leader to share successes with that person coming in, in the seat underneath of you. And again, like I said, sharing, collaborating on the vision. I, ca- I can't imagine how hard that is as the person who has owned the business, created and crafted this thing. And it's been yours, you know, the, this whole time, but you grow when you allow someone else to come in and you put the ego down and you let them come in and share that space with you. Um, and on the other side, you don't get to have an ego in my seat either because the original leader gets the credit. Like they, they started the story. They built the story before you even came into play. And so it it is that shared vision of where you're going, shared willingness to collaborate with each other and live in each other's seats long enough to, to share worlds.
1: So much good advice, especially toward the end there. And it applies to people in all sizes of organizations Um, you know, this tension. I also, by the way, just, I very personally identify with your own kind of uh, personality type and this, uh, where you favor the entrepreneur opportunity more than the entrepreneur one. Like I, I was hearing you and like, that is, I have a lot of that same uh, quality and characteristic as you. Um, This has been fantastic. I have so many other zones I would like to get into, but um, that is going to be for another conversation, whether it's on this uh, podcast, uh, or whether it's just us on a Zoom call or something sometime, but i really enjoyed this. And of course, you know, I have uh, a few standard closers and I can't wait to hear what you have to share on them. Emily, what is your very favorite team to root for besides Weimer Group, or what is the best team you've ever been a member of?
0: So... I think for me, it's a real estate adjacent
1: team. So this isn't necessarily
0: a real estate team, but this is someone who's creating a a partnership piece in our universe. And it's a woman by the name of Christy Belt Grossman. And Christy runs a tribe called Ops Boss Community. And I've, I've had the privilege of speaking for Christy twice now at events. And I just have really grown to respect what she is building and what she is building. She calls these folks unicorns. And I would agree they probably are. Um, but these are executive assistants. These are DOOs. These are COOs that she is training up in how to best support their leader, how to best collaborate with a leader, and um, she runs group sessions. They run trainings. But I have a deep respect for what she is building because I think so often the leader in real estate gets a lot of the accolade and a lot of the the like public notice. But it's those folks living just next to them or just underneath of the surface and leading from their seat every day and really wrangling our systems or figuring out how to really implement the pieces on our teams that keep our teams consistent and keep our our teams going and building. And so I have just immense respect for what Christy is building in that community.
1: Awesome. For folks watching or listening down below in the description of this episode, I will have linked up uh, Christy and Ops Boss. Uh, Great call out there. What is one of your most frivolous purchases or a cheapskate habit that you hold on to, even though you probably don't need to?
0: Uh, I am not frivolous as a person, uh, other than we have more throw pillows than any person should be allowed to have on our beds and our couches. Uh, but I'm cheapskate about it a little bit because instead of like, buying holiday pillows or whatever. I just buy all the new covers. And so my husband laughs that our laundry room has like the stack of weird, like, you know, red pillowcases for Christmas time and whatever for Easter. They're not like photos of Santa or Cupid or anything, but like a color. And so he just laughs at me that he's like really with the throw pillows lady, but not too frivolous over
1: here. That's awesome. That's as as practical as I might have expected. That's really good. Um, (laughs) What does it look like for you, Emily, to uh, invest time and energy in learning, growing and developing, or what does it look like for you to invest time into resting, relaxing and recharging?
0: I am honestly not great at the last part. Um, My little achiever brain and wanting to always know what's next and try to move things forward has a really hard time with uh, relaxing, et cetera. I'm trying to be better about that. When I am trying to grow or learn, I am looking to hear from people that I feel like are smarter, wiser, know things more than I do. So I'm, I'm looking for podcasts like the one that you host, or I'm reaching out to industry leaders uh, and asking questions or asking for a quick phone call and not afraid to collaborate with others. But I know that I don't know everything there is to know. I'm very aware of it. And so I, if I want to grow in an area, I'm looking for the expert in that area and, and not being afraid to make the ask to see if I can get time or finding if it's someone that's a little unreasonable, finding a podcast or finding you know, something in the universe that they're speaking on and, and trying to connect with that. But it's generally around whatever topic it is that I'm trying to learn more about in that season.
1: Awesome. That's how I find books and podcasts as well. Like what is really top of mind for me and what can I chase down or who can I hunt down or, you know, what can I consume uh, to fill some of my own curiosity and need. Um, So with that, I'll flip it around. If someone has gotten here and they've learned a lot from you and they want to follow you or connect with you or learn more about WeMerk Group, where are some places you'd send people?
0: Uh, you can head to our website, com. I'm right on our, our team page. My email address is there and my phone number is there. Uh, you're welcome to text or call me directly. Or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram as Emily Tompkins Smith. I'm one of the Smiths in the universe. So there are a lot of us. So Emily Tompkins Smith is how you'll find me.
1: Awesome. Emily, I appreciate you so much. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation very much and I hope you have a great afternoon. Thanks so much, Ethan. Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS. For email exclusive insights every week, sign up at realestateteamos.com.